Hello, and welcome to In the Word with Michelle Telfer. Thank you for joining us for this in-depth study of God's Word, the Bible. For more of Michelle's resources or to read her blog, visit her website at intheword.com. And now, Michelle. Last week, we learned how Daniel and his three friends came to be in Babylon and how they had been carried away from Jerusalem as prisoners to serve in Nebuchadnezzar's courts. We also learned that Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah suffered much at that king's hands. Their entire future was taken from them when they were given over to the chief of the king's eunuchs and robbed of all hope of a normal life of marriage and children. Yet even then, Daniel and his friends purposed in their hearts to hold on to God and to trust him despite their seemingly unfair circumstances. They knew that as powerful as King Nebuchadnezzar was, their God was truly the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we saw in chapter 1 how they refused to give up their faith in God and their commitment to follow his word, regardless of the people and pressures that surrounded them. There is really so much we can learn from them as we hold to our faith today, in a culture continuously sliding further and further from God. Daniel and his friends could so easily have compromised their beliefs in order to survive. Well, who would have known if they had or judged them if they had eaten the food from the king's table? It was just what seemingly had to be done. Yet they risked their lives to remain true to God and live with pure consciences before him. And God blessed them as a result, for despite the odds, these four young men rose to great prominence among the wise men of Babylon. We see this played out in this next chapter. While Daniel and his friends were still learning in the ways of the literature and language of the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar had a troubling dream. Daniel chapter 2 relates that his mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, may the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Nebuchadnezzar, like many people in that part of the world, placed a high emphasis on dreams as warnings or omens of important things that would affect him personally. 
Obviously, this dream was extremely troubling since he called his wise men and his sorcerers to tell him what it meant. However, when they asked for the dream's details, Nebuchadnezzar refused to give them. Very evidently, Nebuchadnezzar, for all his power, felt alone. There was no one he could really trust, no one that he could count on to tell him the truth rather than what they thought he wanted to hear. And so, to make sure that they could not deceive him, he demanded that they not only tell him the dream itself, but they tell him the interpretation as well. Then he increased the stakes and the pressure by telling them that if they could not do both things, he would have them cut into pieces and their houses turned into piles of rubble. Afraid for their lives, the wise men made a second attempt to get the details of the dream. Look at verse 7. Once more they replied, Let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The king reiterated that their inability to tell him the dream would confirm that they were not really wise men at all and that they were in fact deceivers conspiring against him. These fakes and swindlers quickly protested. There is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. They were indignant. No one in the world had ever asked such a thing of their magicians or astrologers before. In fact, in fact, they sputtered. No human being could do what the king asked. They defended themselves by saying, only the gods can do something like that. And everyone knows that they don't have anything to do with us. You see, the Babylonians were a polytheistic nation, meaning that they believed in many gods. However, the false gods that they worshipped were seen as being very distant. They didn't dwell with men or associate with them in any way. And they were silent on things concerning the hearts of men. In fact, they could not even speak. The so-called wise men knew very well there would be no answers from their gods, but they still thought that they could persuade the king that he was being unfair in his request and that he just didn't really understand the situation. While their defense may have seemed reasonable and even somewhat clever, it did not calm the king down. In fact, verse 12 says, This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. 
Because Daniel and his friends had not completed their training at this time, they had not been called to the palace with the others. So the commander of the king's guard was sent out to seek even those at the training center where the four young Hebrews were. When the commander arrived, Daniel immediately spoke to him. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went in to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Notice how Daniel behaved in the face of certain death. He did not act in panic or fear. Rather, he spoke to the king's official with wisdom and tact, asking the reason for the king's harsh decree. When told the story of the king's encounter with the wise men, Daniel immediately asked for time to find out what the dream was and its meaning. Although the text of verse 16 implies that Daniel directly asked the king to give him time, later it will become clear that that request must have been made to Nebuchadnezzar's representative, most likely Arioch himself, who had the authority to speak on the king's behalf. Being granted what amounted to a temporary stay of execution, Daniel immediately asked his companions to intercede on his behalf, pleading for God's mercy on them. When I read this, I am convicted by Daniel's respectful interactions, even with those who were seeking to kill him. He knew that his life was really in God's hands, not theirs. I'm also challenged by the fact that he immediately asked others to pray for God to give him wisdom because I realize how often in our own circumstances we try to do things the other way around. We decide our course and then we ask that God bless the outcome rather than go to him and seek his wisdom first. Daniel started with prayer and he cried out to the Lord and God gave Daniel the answer. Look at verse 19. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Daniel fully understood that wisdom and might belong to our God, that he is the one who directs the times and seasons of world events, and he is the one who removes kings and who raises them up.
When we learn the meaning of the dream in a few moments, we'll understand why this was on Daniel's mind. At first glance, though, it may seem strange here for Daniel to say that God gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. But he is underscoring the truth that it is only the wise and the perceptive who seek the Lord and so receive from him. Though Daniel was well educated and wise according to men's standards, he also knew that true wisdom begins with a respect for God and that those who deny the Lord are really the fools, despite their education and their status in society. To those who seek him, God is willing to reveal deep and hidden things. In verse 23, Daniel acknowledged that God had revealed the king's dream to him and had given him insight into what it meant. And he also acknowledged that God's answer has come as a result of his friend's intercession with him and for him. They were as much a part of the story as Daniel was. In verse 23, Daniel acknowledged that God had revealed the king's dream to him and had given him insight into what it meant. And he also acknowledged that God's answer had come as a result of his friend's intercession with him and for him. They were as much a part of the story as he was. And I think that there is much we can learn from that as well. Those in any sort of ministry must realize that it starts with prayer and that any favorable outcome is not because of one's own ability, but rather it is the result of God acting upon the intercession that has been offered up on their behalf. When Daniel received the answer from God, he immediately went back to the commander of the king's guard. Verse 24. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. Verse 25 indicates that Nebuchadnezzar had not been specifically aware of Daniel before then. That's why we can assume that Daniel spoke to the king's representative when he earlier requested time to discern the dream's meaning. Notice how humbly yet clearly Daniel spoke to the king. Verse 26, the king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that passed through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. As your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come, and the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. 
Remember that Daniel is a 17-year-old slave standing before this terrifying pagan king with his own life and those of his friends in the balance. Speaking with respect, he began by reminding the king that no wise man, enchanter, magician or diviner could do as the king had asked. However, Daniel quietly declared that there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And with that, let's look at the dream that is behind all this story. Daniel began by telling Nebuchadnezzar exactly what he had seen in his troubled sleep. Verse 31. Your majesty looked, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace, but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. Think of this image as being a statue of a man with different sections made out of different metals. The head is gold, the chest and arms silver, the belly and thighs bronze, the legs are of iron, but the feet are a mixture of both iron and clay. Now look at verse 34. Separate to this image, the king saw a rock being cut out, but there was something significant about that stone in that it was cut out, but not by human hands. In other words, this particular thing was not brought about by the hands or by the labor of men. This is something that was done by the hand of God himself. The rock was flung at the image and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. As they were smashed, everything else crumbled and the fragments were blown away like chaff on the wind. They were all gone. But the stone that struck the feet began to grow and become a mountain that filled the whole earth. Do you see why this dream was so terrifying to the king? What was this image that was destroyed and by what or by whom? In verse 36, Daniel revealed the meaning of the dream. This was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. Your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed all mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds in the sky. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are that head of gold. Daniel respectfully acknowledged that Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful man in the world, but pointed out that it was the God of heaven who had given him that authority. Everything Nebuchadnezzar had accomplished had only been done because God had allowed it. 
that his kingdom was the head of gold in this image must have really appealed to Nebuchadnezzar's pride. But there was a reality check included with Daniel's interpretation. History was going to move on and all of Nebuchadnezzar's power and authority, all of his majesty, was only temporary. Daniel continued, After you another kingdom will arise inferior to yours. Next a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. The different metals of the statue represented different kingdoms of men. Over the coming years, different kingdoms would rise and fall in the region. At the time Daniel was written, Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, the Babylonian Empire, dominated the region and he was the head of gold. Daniel, speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit, revealed that an inferior kingdom would eventually replace that of the Babylonians. An upheaval which actually happened some 50 or so years later when the Babylonian Empire fell to the Medes and the Persians who then began to rule the region. The bronze belly and thighs represented a third kingdom that would come to rule over all of the earth known to them at that time. And the bronze section of the statue represented the Greeks who would seize control from the Medes and the Persians. But even this empire would not last for the control of the region would eventually fall to an empire of iron far stronger than the rest. And true to the vision, in 63 BC, the powerful Roman Empire arose, stretching across that same region, ruling mercilessly over all the kingdoms they subdued. As remarkable as this prophetic dream seemed, God still had more to reveal in the feet and toes of the image. This section deals with an empire that would come long after that of the Romans. In fact, it is a kingdom or government that apparently has not come to the world stage as yet. Up to this point in the dream, the image had detailed the kingdoms of men that would affect Daniel's people, the nation of Israel, for they would be ruled over by each of them in turn. But we know that after the Roman Empire finally destroyed Jerusalem and the Jewish temple in AD 70, the Jewish nation was scattered. However, in 1948, after the Second World World War, Israel returned to the land God had given them to become a nation once more. And this final empire detailed in Nebuchadnezzar's dream as the feet and toes will be opposed to her. The book of Revelation reveals this kingdom will arise at the end of days and will be the global kingdom of the Antichrist, a ruler who is totally set against the purposes of God, who is supported initially by ten kings or authorities or elected officials as we're more familiar with today. 
In verse 41, Daniel began to describe this final world authority. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom, yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with the baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. This final kingdom will be characterized by division. Just as iron cannot really mix with clay, so too this government will struggle with unity. Daniel specifically mentioned the toes as he spoke about this final empire, and the fact that there are ten toes seems to agree with a vision found in the book of Revelation. In that vision, there is an alliance of ten kings or leaders in the last days, which seems to correlate with the ten toes of this image. Daniel then spoke about what would happen in the time of those ten kings in verse 44. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. The rulers of this unstable confederation of end times will be brought down by the Lord himself. He shall break to pieces the kingdoms of men and set up his own kingdom that shall fill the earth, never to be destroyed. As Christians, we long for this kingdom when we pray the Lord's prayer, saying, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are praying about that stone, Christ's heavenly kingdom, asking that it come to fill the whole earth. I love how Daniel concluded his audience with Nebuchadnezzar with the certainty of the truth of this prophecy, saying the dream is true and its interpretation trustworthy. So how did Nebuchadnezzar respond to this declaration of the end of his kingdom, indeed the end of all the kingdoms of men? Then Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honour and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon. 
while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the known world at that time, fell down before the 17-year-old slave, Daniel, because for a moment he glimpsed the power of the living God. Oh, that we could represent the Lord in the same way as Daniel. Not only did Nebuchadnezzar declare Daniel's God to be the revealer of mysteries, he showered Daniel with gifts, making him ruler over the province of Babylon, and he put him in charge of all its wise men, the wise men who had been spared, by the way, because of Daniel's prayerful and wise intercession. Notice, too, that while Daniel's friends became regional administrators, Daniel went where the king went. He stayed with him in the royal city as a trusted and loyal servant, and that will prove important in our next lesson. You know, I hope you're as impressed with Daniel's character and witness as I am. No matter what he faced, he seemed to meet it with a quiet assurance that God was in control and that God could be trusted. He sought God's help and wisdom constantly, both alone and with others, and he was careful to give all praise and glory to the Lord when answers came. I hope you also see how God involves himself in the affairs of the world. He's not distant or uncaring. He governs among the nations and yet he is quick to hear the least of us when we call upon him in faith. Truly, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word to us today. Lord, you truly are the revealer of mysteries. Thank you, Lord, that you are sovereign over the nations and your will shall be done. Your kingdom shall come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we just praise you and thank you for speaking to our hearts today, and we'd ask that you would help us to be good ambassadors for Christ. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to In the Word with Michelle Telfer. Join us next week as we continue our study from God's Word, the Bible. For more of Michelle's resources, visit her website at intheword.com.